no. Oh, no, Diane. No surprises. Please. Oh, no. no. I don't think I can no, handle any more surprises. No. Oh. It's 8.12 a.m. Saturday, August the 25th, 2018. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. Yeah. 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 I can tell you're coming alive with the weather cooling down. Yeah. It's it's better. It's better. Living is better in cooler weather. Yeah, man, that that combination of the smoke in Seattle and the heat was that was oppressive uh, in the extreme. That was particularly bummifying. <laughs> <laughs> but today it's all nice and cool. Nice and cool and, and cloudy. cloudy. I got myself a cup of coffee here and I'm going to take me a sip. My still, brain. There's still a little bit of smoke hanging around, though. But that's. Yeah, ham and eggs. Yeah, but the rain might help with that. So. I don't know, Diane, but it's been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine as per usual. Tis indeed. Lots of stuff has happened. Diane's sitting there with this Cheshire cat grin on her face because she's got a surprise. Oh, no, I don't have a Cheshire cat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm sorry. sorry. It was a question I was going to ask you, but we have other things that we have to talk about. I guess I don't know you at all. (laughs) Have we met? (laughs) I'm Bill. Davey, you know, from Twisp. (laughs) Well... This week we... I don't, I don't even know how, where to start. Yeah. What? Go ahead. I was going to say, this is the week that Alexandra picked you up and... Well, yeah, that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about, my rediscovery of salt water. It's an interesting story in my head, probably not for anybody else, but uh, there's been a there's been a thing in my consciousness since I moved back to western Washington from eastern Washington... I've got a lot of friends over in the Mahau Valley that I miss, but I found myself missing the rivers. And I was I became aware of how important the rivers had become to me and for, for many reasons, meditative reasons. But in heat, the rivers were particularly therapeutic because you could go to the river and get in it. And the water was so cold that, not, that it was like a, uh, a visceral reset. Uh, it would make your, it would, it does something to your body. It defines the edges of your body very particularly. And it kind of, it kind of re-centers uh, you in your body rather than in the swirl of your consciousness, which is feeling oppressed by heat or whatever circumstances going on in your life, you get in the river and suddenly you're, you are contained again somehow. Anyway, I could get in the, in the river and cool down, cool down my core and, uh, and then feel cooler for several hours afterwards. So it was a very therapeutic thing for me. And I really missed that, not just for the cooling aspect, but you know, you stand by a river and your mind can go anywhere. Yeah. There's something inherently uh, mantric about a river, about right. sitting, sitting by a river. Even the 
the comparisons of a river to life and yeah all of it all the metaphoric levels it works the sound of it tends to become the only sound right uh and it's just very easy to slip into a kind of semi-meditative state when you're sitting by a river or a creek or you know uh moving water so anyway my doctor uh alexandra has been bugging me for a couple of years to go down to Puget Sound and get in the water, especially when it's hot and my body is complaining because when it's hot, I hurt and I feel immobile, you know. I do not want to get up and go to the bathroom. Yeah. And yet, so the struggle in my head is, you know, realizing, no, I can still do all the things that I can do it's just that I have this other thing going on in my body. It's kind of a it's a it's a very nebulous thing to try and describe. Because it's 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 not like I can't do things, but it's like my head is telling me I can't. Uh, so it's it's this weird kind of thing. And you'd think you'd think, I mean, when I realized that I could do everything that I normally do, it's just harder. Yeah. I thought, well, now that I know this, I should be fine. But it doesn't work that way because, you know, it's, your brain is always with you and you, the clarity that you can have has to be, it doesn't last. So it's weird. But anyway, so finally, this uh, couple of a week or so ago, Alexander said, we're going. We're going. I can, I'm going to come over on Wednesday. We're going to go down. We're going to get in the water. So... We did that. She also, uh, I was resistant because I'm an old man. I'm an old, white, hairy man who doesn't get any sun because I, you know, I'm on all the high-risk cancer groups. And I'm old and my body is all saggy and flabby and floppy and gross. And I don't want to be the old... This is not true. I don't want... Well, this is all my brain talking. Yeah. I don't want to be the old guy... Down on the beach. None of us do, yeah, no, you know? Yeah. So I had all of this mental uh, garbage keeping me from doing this. But I realized, so she said, I want you to get a jar a jar, and put fill it with water. And I want you to spend the time between now and when we go holding that jar and putting all of those negative ideas and all of the, the resistance that you have to this in that jar and then we'll go down to the beach and we'll pour that water into the ocean and we'll just let all that stuff go and there'll be kind of a ceremonial aspect to this i thought well that sounds interesting so i got myself a jar of water and i've had it up in my office and it just almost immediately it started to work i started feeling like yeah 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 the jar of water the concrete thing the i'm a water sign i I belong i belong in water and so we went down there, we did the little ceremony thing, and I got in the water, and it was absolutely stunning. I mean, my pain was cut in half, you know, almost immediately. And it did not come back until about 11 o'clock the next morning. It was actually when I was driving, I had dropped a check off at Pro Realty. Yeah. Right? I was doing an errand, and then I had to go take the car in for an oil change. And I was driving between Pro Realty and and trying to find my way back to the Hyundai place because Pro Realty is way farther north and on the east side of the freeway. And I got lost partway 
going back and I had to double back and go back to the freeway and then come back to an exit that I recognized and somewhere in that drive when I was stressing out about making it to my appointment in time yeah all my pain came back but uh, that was like you know it was like between 6 30 and 7 o'clock in the evening when we got in the water so from that point until 11 o'clock the next morning I my pain load was was way lower yeah so I mean that's I can't imagine a pill that I could take that would give me that effect no and last that long so well I think it's it's not only the reset of the coldness of the water I think it's the the reattachment to nature and yes and the greater a whole whole part of a part of what uh, Alexander described is we need to we need to walk on the beach in bare feet to kind of ground ourselves right and and get in the water and feet and stay in the water until your core is cooled down and I what what happened when I was in the water is I suddenly was transported back to my childhood on Fox Island where I used to get in the water every day and even when it was raining and cool I would still swim because the water felt warmer when it was cooler outside yeah it's true you know and I just I had not thought about my my uh, early dealings with salt water in so long, but it was like an immediate reattachment to that part of my life, which predates all the rivers. You know? Yeah. So it established a continuity for me in a moment that has been very profound. And I don't think I described it very well, but that was the experience. I think you I, described that, it well. That was the experience I had. It just, it, it re, uh, it, reconnected me to the possibility of water as a healing thing all in just a moment but it was a i also the 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 experience with the jar and the idea of having a jar of water because you know we poured the jar of water into the puget sound and then we took refilled the jar with with new water to start again because i told alexandra as soon as we got in the car, I was telling her, this jar thing, man, this jar thing is a thing. This is a, this is a real thing. I want to keep doing the jar thing because the jar acts as an impetus to not only uh, infuse it with whatever negativity I might be feeling on any given day. And believe me, I've got an artesian well of negativity <laughs> to, to draw on. So, uh, you know, this is, an, this is going to be an ongoing project. Uh, but and then and then getting in the water, feeling the effects of the water, dr- dumping out the, the old water, getting some new water, it's it's a ritualistic cycle that immediately I felt I could attach myself to. So well, I personally believe that one of the the issues with medicine that has happened over centuries is taking away any of the emotional magical, property of healing which our body is trying to do right. you know our body is trying to balance it out itself out all the time right. and so the idea of naturopathic medicine is that you're supporting your body's own tendency to balance whereas uh more the allopathic medicine uh ideas that you are imposing something on your body that will rid yourself of the toxins or whatever. Right. But, and but people talk about naturopathic medicine like it's kind of some kind of hocus pocus that's stuff. That's right. But the more I am in it, the more I realize it's allopathic medicine that is that it's like they're they're suddenly they we've come up with a magic trick. 
Yeah. That's going to fix you. All you got to do is take this thing and it's like a magic trick. It'll fix you. But my, my thought is that in healing, uh, for example, the healing practices that we do, there's uh, that kind of shamanistic quality of human touch and the belief in the human touch uh, because our naturopath does a lot of body work. And, and when she does the body work and is, you know, like, putting a blanket over you and and saying how are you feeling are you comfortable oh, it reminds me of when i was a child and my mom would come into the room and be you know just her presence was a healing source yeah, and you don't think of how much that presence of somebody who cares about you is a healing in itself right. that somebody cares that you're not feeling good and they're trying to assist in making you more comfortable and so i feel like the power of of the the spirit and the mind the power of the of the ritualistic practices to remind us of where we come from and the need for the connection to the eternal because to me, going out to any sort of large body of water, whether it's a river or, uh, or the ocean or the sound, in yeah. this case, a lake, any of the, those sources, they're reattaching you to the eternal because, especially for me, the ocean. I mean, yeah. that is my, <laughs> my place of healing. Right, and so. when it, when it, as the, when the cold water defines the edges of your body, it also reattaches you to your insignificance, in a way, or your uh, your, your limits. You know, it gives you it gives you boundaries. It gives you borders, uh, and just kind of revitalizes uh, your sense of I don't know being in your body. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it right. But anyway, so that was a big event in my week, and it will be something that will be an ongoing because it doesn't have to be hot yeah. to go get in the water it doesn't have to be hot I don't think I'm going to necessarily be a, one of the, a, join a polar bear club or anything like that but that was it was a uh, it was a profound moment for me well polar bear club is going to take it out of the the sense of what you were yeah. after personally so right. I that was very powerful for me to witness too and to witness yeah. the way that it for both of you, you came yeah. home like little kids, know. you know. And the I would have gone, but I had, and I even told Alexandra, I'm not going to go because I think it is important for Bill to have this. But at some point, I would love to go with you. Yes. But I, I felt like it was so, I don't know, when you see people excited and coming home after something that you were not even a part of, you just get all that excitement in you too. I always think about when Alice and I came back from that breakfast that time and we were laughing and running uh, up the stairs and I think that you got that same sort of rush of the of having experience you're experiencing something you didn't experience. Right. It's yeah. vicariously and through the energy that the people bring in the room with you. Yeah. With them. Yeah, Alexandra was saying that she'd been going to that place, that place yeah. that we went. For like 17 years, the whole time she'd been in Seattle and she'd never gotten in the water. 
she didn't wasn't sure she wanted to go was going to go in because she didn't think it was going to be hot enough. Yeah. But she she was I mean she didn't hesitate at all when we were down there. So I think it was I think it was a good. It turned out to be a good experience for her too. A kind of a reconnection to uh, the healing properties of water, no matter what the weather is outside. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that was good. Well, I I uh, have been talking to you this morning already about a variety of. Uh, things I've been listening to. Yeah. And I was thinking how wonderful it is that when I'm going into work, I mean, this is such a new world of podcasts and, and everything that you can stop in on all sorts of conversations and and they're just all so fascinating. I love listening to things. That's why we often talk about podcasts we're listening to because it, makes up a part of my mental landscape. And one of the um, things that I'd listened to this week was a Terry Gross interview with David Sedaris oh, yeah. about to Theft by Finding. Yeah. And I knew you would have listened to it too. So that's this is my surprise question that yeah. I was grinning about. But he had been keeping journals for a very, very long time. And I still remember... <laughs> Uh, I mean, the, the part of that interview that appealed to me the most is when he said um, that he was reading back over all of these journals and he was in his 20s uh, in the journal writing and his older self is looking at these, these younger self reflections. And he said, and I never said anything about being gay, not even in my journal where nobody else is looking so I was thinking come on what is the matter with you <laughs> and I was thinking about you because you've been journaling all your life have you ever looked back on any of your journals and thought come on yeah. what the heck oh yes which I think is one of the one of the valuable things about doing that practice is that you get perspective on yourself and the, you know you might accidentally one day and just in your you know everyday mind thinking you know come to some kind of perspective on things but if you've got a concrete thing that you can go back to and really uh, reconnect because I mean I don't keep a diary I don't keep a journal I keep a notebook so it's a different kind of thing so I'm just I'm just trying to write poetry all the time but I can read back through old notebooks and remember exactly the day exactly what the 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 territory of thought that led me to write this particular thing when i was trying not to write about anything which is what i try to do in my notebook i don't i don't sit down with an idea yeah i just sit down and write and that that's the thing and the stuff that comes out then tends to surprise you you know or it can and uh so it's just, it's really, it's, it, it creates a level of resonance about your personal history that I think is very valuable because the longer I'm around, the more I realize that, you know, if somebody tells you, you got to leave the past in the past and, you know, the past is dead and, you know, <laughs> let go. Oh, no, let go. no, no. It just, it's just, that is the biggest line no, of bullshit no. in the known universe because we are every day the summation of our experiences that's right and and uh there's no avoiding it and so if you can connect with an earlier part of yourself 
and see the progress you've made. Yeah. It's very nice. It's very fulfilling. And it gives you uh, a sense that your life has progressed or maybe regressed. You know, yeah. it gives you a way of, a, of uh, looking at a, at a span of time with new eyes all the time. So it's good. I just love that when I I was thinking I've got yeah. to ask Bill I gotta that question. Get that. I, I, that's the one David Sedaris book that I definitely want to read. We have it. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've got it on. You don't want to listen to him read it. Yeah. I love listening to him read his own writing. Yeah, yeah I better have a hard copy of it. Um, but the other thing that I was listening to this week, yeah. it just started, was a podcast called "This Movie Changed Me." Oh yeah. I was attracted to it because. I heard a trailer. It's from On Being Studios. Yeah. And uh, we very much love Krista Tippett's On Being. But a lot of times when I'm on the bus, I just can't listen to the spiritual stuff as much because yeah. I'm going into my day. I can't really center myself in that direction. I, I need to listen to those sorts of things on a weekend. Yeah. But when I'm going into work, I want something that's kind of engaging me in life. And and so this week I listened to this movie changed me for the first time. And I thought we could play the little trailer because it, it represents so well mm-hmm. what uh, this is about. And it was lots of fun. I've just listened to two so far. Cool. Well, let's play the trailer. I'm Lily Percy, the host of the new movie podcast from On Being Studios, This Movie Changed Me. Movies have defined and shaped my life. They're where I go to to ask the big questions about who I am and how I see the world. And I know I'm not alone in this. Star Wars, The Nightmare Before Christmas, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Toy Story, The Big Lebowski, You've Got Mail. All of these movies have changed people's lives. The first time you see it, it is just pure, simple joy. On TV, everything was kind of perfect. Yeah. And in these movies, things were not perfect. And for me, that just, it was so familiar. I think the thing that it really taught me was that the person that we think we want to fall in love with is often the very opposite of the person who we should really fall in love with. One of the ways we came together was uh, me on a rooftop narrating pretty much the entire film to my yet-to-be girlfriend. And I'd like to think that was one of the reasons why she felt for me. It's a really amazing movie to girls to say what they should expect from boys. I I don't think I'll ever stop watching it, to be quite honest. I watch it with um, a pint of Haagen-Dazs ice cream. You just can't not have fun on this adventure. This movie changed me. One fan talking about the transformative power of one movie. Coming to you January 23rd from On Being Studios. Okay, we played the trailer. Whenever you hear something like this, you immediately start thinking about movies that changed you. And I love the title of the podcast, This Movie Changed Me, because I was thinking while I was on the bus, I'm, I'm thinking about movies that changed me but then i'm also thinking about music that changed me and art that changed me and poetry that changed me and you books that changed me and you you could just go out into this broad network of all these things that affected you and one of the first movies that i was thinking about um, when i was just listening was mrs palfrey at the claremont which was 
a very unknown little gem that uh, one of my friends recommended to me. But then this morning I was leaning over the the DVD bookcase looking at some of the things, just thinking about titles, and, and that's when you asked me, what are you doing over there? Hmm. And I told Bill about this podcast, and, and he said, well, my dinner with Andre. And then I thought, oh, of course. I mean, my dinner with Andre is like the root for both of us. Just like that one um, <laughs> narrator was saying about reciting the whole movie to his, uh, his potential girlfriend. Potential girlfriend. <laughs> I was thinking that was one of the first things we talked about too. Mm-hmm. The I was thinking how interesting it was. We had so many connections that were unexpected. I had not met many people who even knew about my dinner with Andre. Or if they did know about my dinner with Andre, they made fun of it. Yeah. And thought yeah. it was stupid, you mm-hmm. know. Although I did like the when uh, Spinal Tap in one of their bonus features, they uh, they had Nigel talking about my dinner with Andre action figures. <laughs> Nigel Tufnell. Uh, Nigel Tufnell. I loved it. That that poking fun at it just cracked me up to no end. That is good. Yeah. But my dinner with Andre actually did change my life. I would say it definitely changed my life at a very at a time where I could have gone one direction or another in my life history it switched me at the crossroads because I was pretty let's see when when did now I have to look up and see when it came out it was 82 and one of the things that the the movie 1980 this movie changed me talks about is to close your eyes and think of when you first saw that movie and that's when i knew that your suggestion my dinner with andre was the the changing moment when you can actually remember yeah. how you saw it where you saw it who you were with uh, and everything is clear as day because i remember seeing it with uh at the Grand Illusions Theater in the University District with my brother and my ex-husband, who was my boyfriend at the time. Mm -hmm. And I remember my brother and I were absolutely absorbed into the movie. And my boyfriend at the time uh, was thought it was stupid and said, man, that was the most as so as we're walking out, my brother and I, who are in this bubble of wrapped joy, you know, and just like can't wait to talk about all the ideas that this has inspired in us. And then we're walking out with this other guy who's saying, Man, I you know, that was the waste of a, an hour and a half or whatever it was. And, and we were like, What? <laughs> And you married that guy? I married him. I mean, it didn't change my life enough to 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 think uh, maybe I don't belong with this guy. But I still remember the way it felt walking out of the theater and the the surroundings and and everything. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you saw it? I saw it at the Magic Lantern Theater in Spokane. Who were you with? Sue. And did she like it too? She did. Thank God. Yeah. 
1981, you were pretty close. Yeah, 81. Well, I I think that the ways that it changed me, uh, the dialogue from that movie is in my head in such a saturated way that I actually bring it up at different times. But I think that it really changed my point of view of the importance of communication and um, and really talking from a sincere place within within you. Mm-hmm. I think before that time, I had never really thought that much about uh, the importance of having those sorts of conversations yeah. because you're basically watching through this movie the transformation of a of a dialogue of a conversation yeah. yeah the way Wally gets drawn in I mean his resistance at the, I mean it's the story is about breaking down resistance uh, for me I mean the 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 arc of the movie and it's very deftly done because it's just a couple of guys sitting there talking yeah but it the way it's set up and then the way it uh, the way it ends is just you know you, everybody's had a conversation like that where you go in with kind of with maybe some reticence or just kind of in no no sense that there's going to that something major is about to occur pardon me I'm gonna have another drink of coffee yeah and then you come out of it and you, you realize you, boy. that something major has occurred good coffee so the 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 movie what happens in the movie is what happens when you watch the movie that's right you know it starts out, and you're kind of like, well, where the heck could this be going? Yeah. You know? And then by the time it's over, you you are completely impacted by where it went, you know? And so it's it's really, uh, that's one of the things that makes it interesting to me, you know, and keeps it interesting to me, is that is that arc in these two people. It's kind of interesting. Well, and I always recommend people to to watch that movie if they haven't yeah i mean it's funny because you were saying so you're going to have me do all sorts of clips and stuff but but in actuality there's no way you can there's no way you can extract i mean there's a lot of other movies i would say when harry met sally uh was was a profoundly affecting movie yeah um so you know it doesn't have to be something deep and serious but i'd also say that you know every war has two losers yeah was a profoundly affecting movie only because of where it led us in our lives. Right. But it was a documentary. Yeah, it was a documentary. Uh, oh, so. my gosh. Yeah, that, that is... that opened up a whole... It hope, opened up a whole avenue of right. finding Michael Mead and... Hayden Race. And, Martin Shaw and... Yeah. Oh, man. So... But that's what I love about life. Yeah. Is it just like a friend suggests something to you and it just opens up this network that it just lights this whole part of the room up that you never even saw you know it's like somebody's you you're in a dark room when you first come into life and people are constantly saying have you seen this little spot here look about here you know it's just marvelous and that's why i'm enjoying this little podcast because um so far i've only listened to two episodes and with one of the movies it was the Big Lebowski, which had no real effect on me. Yeah. But listening to the way that these two people talked about it, I right. thought I should rewatch that and see it from that point of view. And the I, other I one. I own it if you if you ever want to watch it. 
Yeah, and the other one was, um, what was it that I told you this morning? The You Can Count on Me. Oh, yeah. With Mark Ruffalo and Laura, Laura Linney. Yeah. And I have not seen that movie. Yeah. Yeah. But listening to why the person was... Uh, was so moved by it and well it's delightful to listen so. to people talk about something that lit them up yeah you know and because it's it's great to hear about somebody's positive experience you know and it, it, it lifts you up to listen to other people talk about something that lit them up so well and i think the idea was a fascinating idea to just mm. say okay let's just talk about movies that changed you yeah. and it's quite lovely. It so. is lovely. It is lovely. So, it's been a big week. It's been know? a big week. And it's interesting. Life is not boring. And I would like to mention that one of the, the most exciting moments of my life that came out of my dinner with Andre was going to, and we talked about it at the time, was when we went and actually met Wally Sean. Wally Sean. Yeah. That was a pretty spectacular moment to be it was a it was a completion of a circle to have had somebody because Wally Sean wrote the play, My Dinner with Andre. With Andre Gregory. Yeah. With Andre Gregory. Based but, on but hours he, and hours he of, did the writing of right. it from my understanding. But it was based on hours and hours of recorded conversation between them. And trying to find the connecting yeah. points. Yeah. And uh, so I felt like being able to express my gratitude for such a life-changing play that he wrote was a true honor and joy. I I feel like that's such a wonderful thing to be able to meet the person and not to be gushing over them like some celebrity, but just to say person to person, you changed me. Yeah. With your writing, yeah. so. Wait, did somebody give us those tickets to that event, or? No, we. Uh, it was Paul Emu. Uh, Paul Emu. Yeah, yeah. Thank uh, you, Paul Emu. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was a member of the town hall. Right. And so he had the the, the deluxe tickets. That he had the go deluxe the, tickets to. to oh, he did give it to us though. Yeah, that he actually purchased them and didn't right. take right. money back. Right. He gave gave us that experience. He right. came with us though, right? He, yeah, yeah, he came with us. Yeah. And it was so phenomenal to be able to be in this small group so that we could meet Wally Sean. I think that there were maybe, I don't know, 80 people in that. In the area, meet and greet. In the meet and greet, or yeah. maybe. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. a room full, but it was, you know, not as many as were in town hall when he spoke. Right. You know? So we got to meet him before he spoke, right? Yeah, before yeah. he spoke. Yeah. So and get our. Get your book signed that you yeah. have of his essays, and and that was so wonderful. I will never forget that because I he's starting to sign the book, and uh, and I just said I have to thank you. I my dinner with Andre truly changed my life experience, and I saw it when it first came out. And he just looked up at me and said, "You must have been a child." <laughs> I can hear Wallace Shawn's voice. You must have been a child. The way his mouth moves. He's got such an amazing face. But I I think a lot of the people there were more interested in his his uh, acting than in his playwriting. Right. Playwriting? That was a weird oh. word to use. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. 
Good stuff. Good stuff. So, wonderful week. Wonderful week. More to come. And um, further adventures. Further adventures. And it's been such a joy to be with you every week of the time that we're together. Take it easy. No, I'm not gonna. Okay. Yeah, it's fun for me too. I mean, you know, people hold on to these images of father, mother, husband, wife, again, for the same reason, because they seem to provide some firm ground. But there's no wife there. What does that mean? A wife, a husband, a son. A baby holds your hands, and then suddenly there's this huge man lifting you off the ground, and then he's gone. Where's that son? All the other customers seem to have left hours ago. We got the bill, and Andre paid for our dinner. buying a suit with my father. There, I was having an ice cream soda after school. When I finally came in, Debbie was home from work, and I told her everything about my dinner with Andre. Andre. 